Amen. The Lord's good today. You can be seated. We're going to, well, normally I have some announcements, but there's going to be announcements behind me here. Uh, If our ushers would go ahead and come for Sunday morning uh, offering. Um, We're getting ready to begin a, a continuation of a series that we sort of concluded in the summer. And we made an announcement on uh, Wednesday that today we would need our summer, uh, our books from summer 2019. So today we're going to be in series three in the discipleship project uh, titled Good Friends. And we're going to be talking about the big idea uh, of of a loyal friend or a friend who loves at all times. And uh, friends are very important. And uh, so we're going to talk about uh, the importance of friends. We're going to talk about the imp- uh, the way, uh, you know, we have a relationship with uh, the friendships. We're going to talk about friendships, and we're going to talk about uh, relationships as brothers and sisters in Christ and brothers and sisters uh, by blood. Uh, that is, if I get through all these notes, I have quite a bit of notes. Um, the The goal today was to take two lessons and combine them into one, so we're going to see what happens. Amen. But before we get started here, um, I, I do want to let I do want to read the the text today. It's Proverbs seventeen and seventeen. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. A friend loveth at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. And we're again we're going to talk today about loyal friends. Why don't we uh, go before the Lord today in prayer before we get started on this lesson and ask Him to be with us and to transform us and to receive uh, what he's prepared for us to hear today. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks, God, for your nearness. We give you thanks, God, that you have known, even before we stepped foot into this house of prayer, exactly what each and every one of us need. I pray today, God, that you would let this word sanctify us, Lord, as it does. And I pray, Lord, that you would help it transform, uh, let us be transformed by it as we hear it, Lord. We love you and we seek your truth and we seek your face, Lord, and we desire transformation into your image. Help us, Lord, to be good friends and to receive your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. They were all from the same village. Growing up in such a close-knit community, everyone knew everyone, and very little happened without everyone knowing about it. Social media was big in their village. Their favorite app was face-to-face conversation along the path. They shared the latest news by the well, where they gathered to draw water for the day. In the heat of the day, they sought a shady spot for rest and an opportunity to chat with friends. On these occasions, they would share the events of their families' lives and perhaps some gossip they had heard from others. Topics ranged from the prospects for rain to the latest matchmaking to who had had gotten sick in the last few days. So when one of their friends showed symptoms of weakness and the debilitating paralysis that claimed the strength of his muscles, the news spread quickly. In no time... Everyone knew the tragic diagnosis of his condition. The prognosis was bleak, and there was no hope for healing. Fortunately for the young man, he had some loyal friends who continued to make time for him, stopping by for a lively chat, sharing their latest mischief, and occasionally taking time out of the house on a cot, taking him out 
of the house on a cot so he could enjoy the sunshine and fresh air of the outdoors. However, on one particular day, word quickly spread from house to path, from the women gathered at the well to the farmers peddling produce. Jesus was nearby. Everyone wanted to see Jesus. They had heard so much about what he was doing. They dropped everything and made their way to the house in Capernaum where he was rumored to be. It seemed like everyone was there. The house was completely filled. Still, people pressed in so they might hear him, and they strained to catch a glimpse of the teacher. The four friends of the paralyzed man thought this would be the perfect opportunity to take their friend to Jesus. Maybe Jesus would heal him. The friends had heard of many great miracles already performed by Jesus of Nazareth. Why not their friend? If there was any hope, it was worth the effort. And by the time the friends gathered at his house, helped him on the makeshift cod and made their way through the maze of footpaths into the house where Jesus was teaching, there was absolutely no way to get inside. Almost frantic, one of the men pointed to the outer stairs leading up to the rooftop. And many homes were designed this way to provide a surface for drying grain, storing the dried food, and even creating a place to sleep on warm nights. The other friends quickly agreed to head to the roof. They precariously clung to the cot, struggling to keep their balance while climbing up the narrow steps to the rooftop, listening carefully to see where Jesus was teaching. They rapidly began removing the roofing materials. They created a space large enough to let the cot bearing their friend down into the room near where Jesus was teaching. It must have been quite a spectacle to see debris and dirt falling from the ceiling as a hole appeared and then grew larger as the men removed more roofing. Four faces peered down into the packed room through the widening hole. The room may have been packed, but as the cot was lowered from the ceiling, the people pushed back to make room and avoid getting hit. Jesus seemed unconcerned and continued to speak until the man on the cot was lowered squarely before him. When Jesus saw their faith, the faith of the four friends who had gone to such great lengths to bring the man to him, he said, Son, your sins are forgiven you. While they had hoped their friend might be healed, no one expected such a statement. They had never heard anything like it. Even the religious leaders looked puzzled. The face, their faces hardened with resolve. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus took this opportunity for a teaching moment to demonstrate a very important lesson. He read their thoughts and answered their accusations. He said, I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then stretched forth his hand and spoke with authority. I tell you, get up take your mat, and go home. Overjoyed, the five friends left the house of healing quite differently than they had arrived. All were walking, laughing, and excitedly sharing the events of the day, moment by moment, as they rejoiced in the restoration of their friend. Loyal friends are constant and consistent. Friends who are loyal in times of adversity are the most meaningful and true treasure. In this story, a lame man is brought into a new paradigm. His life goes from looking like a dead end, hopeless, dependent on others, and cursed, to blessed, hopeful, full of strength, and restored to community. 
The thing is, this man got to a point in life where he could, no, he could go no further on his own without a friend. And when we begin thinking about that radical transformation in that moment, something just stirs. I can't help but imagine that day how his life completely changed. It wasn't just his life that changed, though. It was the lives of all that heard Jesus, Son, thy sins, thou, your sins be forgiven you. This was radical to them completely new to hear that a man say sons your sins are forgiven you but it was supposed to be a revelation the revelation that Jesus was God manifest in the flesh that Jesus had come to manifest himself to all that would believe in him and so whenever he said your son, your sins be forgiven he also showed them I, that he also had the power to make people whole and to restore them so this man walked away with two change in, changes in his life. Number one, he had his sin forgiven. And number two, he was restored to health. And both of those things happened because he had friends. And friend, there are times we're going to be so lame. We're not even going to know which house Jesus is at to get our miracle, let alone have the ability to get to him. And I'm talking in the spiritual today. I'm talking about when we are in a place spiritually, where, where we're down for the count. And we need friends. We need friends that will say, I know where Jesus is at today. And I'm going to help you get there. And if, when we get there, even if it's hard to get to him, well, we're going to help you get to him too. Amen. Because Jesus is the answer. And when we can go no further, we must have friends. The man was stuck. But he, he found himself having friends that were willing to go to the links of ripping a roof off. Now that's love. And I want you to imagine a difficulty in the life of one of your friends right now. Think about that difficulty as a paralysis in their life maybe or some illness. Maybe your friend's dealing with grief or bitterness, doubt. Maybe, maybe all of them and then some. Maybe your friend is lost. Then let me ask you, if you have the kind of love to not only get your friend to the right place, but to start digging through the roof. In this moment, the paralyzed man's friends are tearing through the roof. I can't help but think about their resolve. This roof was the barrier standing between their friend and change. And sometimes we're going to encounter barriers. Barriers that want to prevent us to stepping into the change that God has for us. Without love... To what degree are we going to be able to have the resolve to push through the barrier? Because the weapons of our warfare today are not carnal. They are not carnal. They're mighty through Christ, the pulling down of strongholds. And with that, I want, you to, I want you to take this thought. When the Ark of the Covenant was captured in the Old Testament, the presence of God moved where the Ark was. And sometimes even now, Jesus is right in the middle of the stronghold that needs to fall. When Jesus forgave this man, he pushed back against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees who branded him as a blasphemer. The friends digging through the roof were not only operating for the sake of their friend, but they were digging into a stronghold of a much larger scale. When you go to bat for someone in the spiritual realm, or when you love someone enough to dig through a roof, you're going to be breaking down spiritual strongholds. When we just love someone enough to be a loyal friend to them, we'll be amazed at what victories will be won. What victories will be won. Because Jesus was right in the middle 
of a stronghold, of a spiritual stronghold right there that he was teaching. But that's also where the miraculous was. And here his friends come with the resolve to say, I'm not going to let a barrier stop me from get, digging into this stronghold. We have, to, we have to have the love that says, I'm going to pray like I need to pray. I'm going to reach like I need to reach. If I have to pick up my friend who's lame and put him in a cot and drag him to where he needs to be in the spirit, I'm going to do it. Because without you, your friend might not get their change. Think about it in your own life. How many times change was needed. Think about it in your own life. How many, how many times you prayed for change so desperately. Maybe in that moment you needed a friend to help you find that change. But if today you're thinking about that, if today you're running it through your mind, maybe you can be that friend for someone else who needs the change today. Because God wants to not only heal your soul, He wants to make you whole. He wants to make you whole today. He wants to change your paradigm today. And if you believe that God wants to do that for you, can you just worship Him today? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, God, that reaches for us, Lord, that calls to us today. Lord, that forgives us of our sins, God, and makes us completely whole. We give you thanks today, Lord. We thank you for your victory today, Lord. You see, friendships are important in our lives and vital in our social relationships. Through developing friendships, we create a community of communication, a network of connectivity, a support system to sustain us during difficult experiences and the fulfillment of contributing uh, enrichment to others' lives. Perhaps the most gratifying reward of friendship is the ability to add value to someone's life. You know, in John 17, we see Jesus praying the words that he had manifested God's name to the disciples. Jesus manifested the revelation of God with us or God with them. He manifested the truth of prophecy before their very eyes. Sometimes a friend is going to need someone to add some value to them and manifest some revelation in their life. Manifest some revelation. How many times has God seen you through a difficult situation? How many times has God just seemingly walked into your prayer closet and just it felt like his hand just touched you and right there a miracle happened. We have so many testimonies in this place alone of how God has just swept in and changed everything. And whenever we, whenever we begin to uh, manifest some revelation to other people's lives, that's, that's really important to do as a loyal friend as a loyal friend, it's to connect with them on that level. To say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. Let me tell you what I believe Jesus can do for you. Testimony is important, but so is faith that has works. Because sometimes a, a friend just needs encouraged in the physical. You know, if you were to imagine what it... You know, I worked in a hospital for a year and a half, but I saw a lot of, saw a lot of things happen. And there's a lot of grief that happens when a person loses a limb, you know. Um, and during those stages of grief, it goes from anger that they can't do things anymore to, uh, you know, thankfulness or, you know, all kinds of other emotions that people are willing to help them. You know, we'll, we, we can never discount the value of what it means to help someone 
when it comes down to just maybe the simple, the simplest of things, mowing a yard, taking a weed eater to a ditch, cleaning out a gutter. I mean, these are things that seem like they're just little services, but man, how important they are to someone who feels lost, to someone who's grieving, to someone who is in the middle of a trial in their life. And in that sense, we can manifest the love of God to them. We can manifest what it means for Jesus to have, uh, for, for the love of the Lord to, the way that he reached for us sacrificially. So Jesus modeled the value of relationships. Uh, he, he, he did this by developing friendships among his disciples. Jesus said, I have called you friends in John 15, 15. He refused to call them servants, but elevated them to a, relate, a relationship of affection. This becomes the pattern for us in effectively developing discipleship among believers, among us. It must be based upon the social relationship of friends. To truly develop followers into disciples, we must first develop acquaintances into friends. That's really an important step. To go from, hello, how you doing? Okay. To, hey, how's your mom? Or, hey, how's your grandma? Or, hey, how's that work situation going? You know, the, the, the dialogue changes quite a bit when you go from acquaintances to friends. And if you're wondering if you're friends with somebody, you can ask yourself, what does my dialogue look like? You know? You can question yourself. What, is my, what does my communication with people look like? Does it stop with just, hey, how you doing? Awesome, great. You know, or, hey, you know, how's that situation panning out for you? I've been praying for you. As emerging disciples of Jesus, would we be called fair-weather followers or faithful friends, I wonder? It's an important question to ask ourselves. Because true friendships are reflective of in the enduring relationship Jesus developed among his followers during his earthly ministry. Even among the followers of Christ, there were fair-weather followers, those who only tagged along for the benefits or the blessings eagerly awaiting the next miraculous meal or anticipating another conflict with the Pharisees. You know, some people, you know, sometimes the conflict and the outpouring, you know, it's, it's a, I don't know, I mean, can be attractive, I guess. But as long as there was something to be gained or a way to be entertained, some thrill or some need met, then they would stay around and be in on the action. Because, you know, action is entertaining, I guess. You know, they would just want to be there. But not all friends can be called faithful friends. Some hang around us uh, as long as they're on the receiving end. But when the blessings run dry or their commitment is tested, the fair-weather followers dissolve and into the background and look for the next new thing. There was no shortage of friends when the prodigal son was flush with cash and filled with benevolent charity after receiving the premature payoff of his inheritance. Life was a party, and the prodigal spent lavishly on this crowd as if there was no tomorrow he would have called many of them friends these friends were constantly with him frequently affirming their loyalty until the money dwindled and the prodigal realized the funds would not last forever there was an end to the lavish lifestyle and a rude awakening to the reality of limited resources when the money was gone so were the friends and it's important to know and we're, we're on our way there the difference between friends that have the agape love and friends who are just there for the, for, for the benefit of themselves. Because some are. Some are. Some want to hang around as long as you're, 
As long as you're giving, as long as you're giving them something they want, maybe you're an interesting person and they like to be around interesting people, and you just become a resource. And it's really important to, to realize, am I being used as a resource? And chances are someone in this building has felt like they've been used as a resource before. And if you have, then you have to go through the whole process of forgiving them and, you know, and working through that. And it's really important today, if you've been wounded, and I just feel like saying this to you, if you've been wounded by someone who treated you that way, it's time to forgive them. It's time to let that go. Because the God, ha God has greater things for you if you'll let it go today. Some so-called friends are like those of the prodigal. They're only friends for what they can get from the relationship. They're not really friends at all as long as the wayward son had money bankrolling the next party and passing out gifts. Friends were plentiful and his popularity was celebrated. However, as soon as the funds ran low, the parties were canceled and the prodigal needed a place to stay. All the friends were gone. All the friends were gone. And that can be, and, and that's the place I'm talking about today if you've been wounded. You know, you have people that you were surrounding yourself with and then all of a sudden everyone everyone leaves and uh, you know the things that the things that were poured out during that time I don't know who I'm talking to today but I'm talking to somebody the things that were poured out during that season where you felt betrayed God wants to give you more than what you had in the beginning he wants to give you more than what you had when you were taken advantage of. And I want to tell you that today. God wants to heal you. Faithful friends are those who are consistent, though. Faithful friends. We're talking about not the friends like the prodigal, but people who are faithful. Those people are consistent throughout the ebb and flow of life events. Real friends comfort you when you're hurting, lift you up when you are discouraged, and offer help when you're needy. When the difficulties arise and adversity prevails, a faithful friend will be present and prepared to assist. Friendship is tested when everything goes wrong. When everything falls apart, this is where friendship's tested. Some friends don't know how to help or may feel they are too needy themselves and have nothing to give. Others may avoid the difficult situation by busying themselves with other projects. I gotta say, there have been times I've been there. There have been times where I busied myself and a friend needed me. And sometimes that, those situations don't always, sometimes we can look back and say, I regret that. But if we'll change it the next time around, we don't have to regret it the next time. Having nothing to contribute, some forsake their friends rather than face their own inadequacies. That's important too. What inadequacies am I avoiding? In the most trying times, real friends arise to the challenge. Faithful friends rally others who can assist. Many times it is a friend who starts a GoFundMe account to meet someone's financial crisis, or one who organizes a car wash or plans a bake sale to assist with medical expenses. And these types of actions are faith with works. These see the friend who's in need and they respond you know, we have a, I'm not trying to put a plug in or anything here, but we have a life group that's called Helping Hands, and that life group has seen multiple people uh, have ramps built for their homes because they were in need. You know, simple expressions, maybe, you know, 
doing that kind of thing. You have to find the resources, find who gives the grants and all of that. But man, it's so worth it when you know that you've helped your friend that's in need. Good friends can become great friends when they share life together. Now, this is really important. I'm going to say it again. Good friends can become great friends when they share life together. Sharing life is really important. As I was talking about earlier, if you're uh, you know, analyzing your dialogue with uh, each other, what does my dialogue with people that I see on Sunday look like, or what does it sound like, rather? Um, is it kind of surface level, or am I sharing in life with them? Can I say, hey, you know, can I ask them about those life questions? You know, I know, I know your back was hurting the other day. How are you feeling? I've been praying for that. Um, you know, those sort of things. Shared experiences bring people closer together and deepen their friendships. It could be an adventure like a camping trip or something practical. Well, we know about camping here. Or something practical like helping to build a fence or unloading a moving truck. Any shared experiences give opportunity to know others better and discover more about their goals and values that, they were, pre that were previously unknown. And speaking about sharing life together, let's look at John 15, 12 through 15. This is my commandment, that ye love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life for his friends. Ye are my friends, if ye do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. And I just want to comment real quickly on that portion of... Uh, on the scripture, greater love hath no man than this that a man lay down his life. Laying down one's life, it doesn't always have to mean dying for someone else. Of course, the ultimate is that you're willing and ready to do that. But it doesn't have to be the, the end result of every time that you uh, love someone in this way. Because if we think about it, time is being expanded, expended constantly. It's being spent on something. And if we use that time to concern ourselves with another person's well-being such that it involves our very soul, then we can lay our lives down every day, one moment at a time. One moment at a time. To be alive, in the, in the Greek word that comes from this word, uh, from the word life in this scripture, the definition of it is the condition of living or state of being alive, especially healthiness, happiness, exuberance, energy, vitality, and the like. So have you ever thought to yourself, man, um, you know, I just, I just don't have the energy today to do X, Y, and Z. But you know somebody really needs your help. You know, somebody's really hurt themselves that you're a friend with. And you know they need help moving their lawnmowers or their cars into the garage or into their parking location, wherever they are, and you're like, you know, I'm really tired, but, you know, I can lay down my life today by saying, I'm going to give a little bit of energy to this, you know, a one moment at a time, I'm going to give a little bit of happy, you know, a little bit of what it means for me to be happy to this, you know, it might be raining out, and my friend over here had a yard sale, and the rain is coming, it's not going to make me happy, I I do not like having wet feet, all right? It's just something about me. But I'm, if, if I have to work in the rain, I don't have the right shoes, that is not fun for me. But if I see 
if I see this need, then I'm saying, you know what, it's okay if I'm not going to be happy necessarily in being uncomfortable, but I'm going to be happy in helping them, you know? And so we can give of our lives a little bit at a time, one moment at a time. And so we can lay our lives down for our friends. The kind of love mentioned here, though, is agape love. It's the love that the Lord gives us. It's love only God can give you. And how powerful is this love? This love that says, you know what, my friend is in need. It's not necessarily my, to my benefit, but I love him enough to sacrifice. In Mark chapter 13, Jesus begins describing the end times. And he says something very, very startling as it relates to this lesson. And I'm going to read Mark 13, 12. Now the brother shall betray the brother to death, and the father the son, and children shall rise up against their parents, and shall cause them to be put to death. That's a scary, well, it's, a, it's not necessarily scary if you're ready, but you know, you're looking at that and you're like, those are dark days. Those are dark days. But when we hear this, perhaps we think all relationships will be broken because of how dark the days will have become. However, notice how those who betray each other are all strictly familial in nature. But I don't see friends who love with agape love mentioned here in this list. These are just, yeah, they're just all family related. Brother, children. Uh, these are not just normal friendships, though, that we're talking about. But friendships forged by the Holy Ghost. And this leads us back to our text today, Proverbs 17 and 17. A friend loveth at all times, but a, and a brother is born for adversity. You see, there's a certain obligation that comes with being a brother and sister. Uh, when our family falls into deep need, we feel an obligation to help them out of their adversity. Indeed, we should love our family. We should love our church family and follow the word of God and how we ought to love our fellow brothers and sisters. However, if our relationships with one another begin, begins and ends with a relationship of obligation, we will never know each other as friends. We will never know each other as friends. Because it's real easy to say, good morning, brother. God bless you, sister. But it's something completely different to set aside your life for their sake. It's another thing to know their struggles and protect their confidentiality. It's another thing to know and love them as friends. Think about that. Think, I mean, when I, when I was studying this, it was really startling to me. Because the Bible tells us Jesus is the one who sticks closer to us than a brother. What is closer than a brother? It's a friend with the agape love of God. Because whenever we, because brothers and sisters have obligation. You know, there are some things I'm going to do for you, and there are some things I'm going to do for my mom and dad that I'm going to do because the Bible tells me to do it. And not only that, but I also feel a sense of obligation. But, there's all, but beyond that is the friendship that is selfless, that says, I'm not just doing this because I have to. I'm doing this because I know them. I'm doing this because I know their struggles. I'm doing this because I know their trials. I'm doing this because I know who they are. We've shared times at the campground laughing. We've shared joy. We've shared times of happiness. And I'm ready to lay down my life for my friend. I feel like this is a challenge 
from the Lord today. A challenge that goes beyond just the surface level. And when I say surface level, I'm not just talking about, you know, doing what we know to do right isn't just surface level. I want to say that. Because that's right. We're told to do that. We're commanded to do that. But when we grab a hold of what it means to love each other into friendship, agape friendship, that changes everything. Because there will come dark days where your obligation will be tested. But if you've invested selflessness, that will stand. Sometimes we may avoid getting to know people, afraid they might not like us if they really knew us. And this feeling may stem from our own lack of self-worth. However, great friendships can only grow when we become vulnerable and allow others to know us as we are. You know, sometimes, you know, maybe, maybe when we're talking about vulnerability, maybe you think your laugh is weird. You know, I, I don't know. I'm just, people, people have things about themselves that when they look in the mirror, they're like, man, that's weird. I don't like that. But God created you that way. And no matter whether you think it's weird or not, you are a gift. You are a gift not only into this world, but to each, every person you encounter because you're made in God's image. You're a gift. So when you look at yourself, you're, you're a blessed person. Share your smile. Share the trial. Share the struggle. And obviously, you, you want to make sure that you have friends that are the faithful friends. Not like the prodigal that's there for the action, but it's there to, to be with you as a selfless friend. How else can we develop great friends without spending time together, though? We need that time. Time like the camping trip or, the, uh, uh, or family month. Letting our guard down in those moments and testifying. I've never been more blessed. In, well, I've been blessed in certain ways that were unique during family month to hear my elders testify, to hear them tell about their trial, or hear them tell about how they handled things. We need to share with one another. So the wisdom of Proverbs that says, a man that hath friends must show himself friend, friendly, it takes, it takes time to develop friendships. That's what that means. It takes time to develop friendships. There may be a feeling of an instant connection with a person we've just met, but we cannot truly know someone until we've spent time with that person. Uh, as with any deepening relationship, good friends can become great friends through shared life experiences and time together. And having these experiences may mean setting aside a want or an ambition for the day and spending time with someone uh, it, that it may require a personal sacrifice. And, you know, I just, I just really feel that the Lord, you know, the Lord wants us to be willing to give those personal sacrifices today. And, you know, I've seen a lot of personal sacrifice given. Don't get me wrong. I see it all the time. I see it all the time. But, you know, there is a deeper dimension that the Lord, you know, is calling us to. A deeper dimension of healing. You know, when we start thinking our love has the power to pull down strongholds, when we think about that, who do we know in our lives that need, needs a, a miracle? Who do we know in our lives that needs a healing? Because, man, the Lord is, he is ready, so ready, so ready to begin a work that will blow our minds. And I know we can feel it here today. I know we can feel it. 
It's, uh, it's an anticipation, an expectation. I felt it today in the prayer room. An expectation for what God wants to do. And the next step may very well be going from brother and sister dialogue to the dialogue of agape friendship. I want that today. Can we just pray real quick? Oh, Jesus, I thank you for your spirit right now. Lord, I thank you, Jesus, that you're calling us to a deeper place of love and of friendship. I pray today that even as we hear these words, Lord, that you would stir us in this very moment. Jesus, we thank you right now for your word. Amen. And considering this call to deep relationship, we need to beware of anyone who instantly claims to be best friends forever. Have you ever heard that? BFF, best friends forever? Because loyal friendships take time to develop, and they don't really happen quickly. So just as quickly as some people become BFFs, they, uh, they may have a disagreement and find they're no longer friend, they, they're no longer friends. And though it's easy to pledge to be a friend forever, forever is a really long time. It's a very, very long time. But some people have that, but some have the BFF mentality. Because, but it's, it shouldn't be surprising because our culture is so focused on consumerism. BFFs are focused on some people, well, if you, if you go into a relationship with the BFF mentality of people who do, uh, if they go into that relationship and they're thinking, well, what, what is there here for me to consume? We're talking about those friends like the prodigal had who instantly became BFFs as long as he had something to give. But the BFF mentality, uh, if you find people who quickly come to you and say, let's be best friends forever, um, beware. That's right, Brother Gene, beware. Because... You're not, a, you're not a resource to be consumed, but it's also an opportunity to show them that Jesus is also not a resource to just be consumed. He's someone who's inviting them into relationship. But we need to be careful about those who instantly claim to be best friends forever because true friendships, they take time. Proverbs 18 and 24 says, A man that hath friends must show himself friendly. And there is a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. And I've already read this once, but a friend who loves with agape love does so selflessly without any obligation. However, being a brother and sister is still powerful. You know, brothers who grow up together in a family share a unique relationship. Uh, natural, born, natural born brothers share the bond of a common bloodline. And man, I could really get off on this. And when I saw this, I really wanted to preach about it. But... You know, just to make, just to put it simply, we share a common bloodline today. Everyone who's baptized in the name of Jesus shares a common bloodline today. And that's what I'm referencing when I'm saying the brothers and sisters of Christ, because we have that common bloodline of the blood of Jesus. And that's special. And it's a unique relationship. And it should be honored. And it should be, you know, and, and we should take great care uh, of those relationships. Um, but this. But to go on, this attachment is, uh, this is often an attachment stronger than most any other relationship. Because obligation is really, it's a strong thing. Obligation really 
you know, pulls us. It really demands of us. Um, you know, just like because we want to honor Christ, because we want to be found righteous in his sight, we have obligations. But just like with Jesus, if all we ever see is word, if we, if we only ever see his word as an obligation, we're never going to grow in relationship with him in a deeper way, the way that he wants to know us. Because obligation, if we stay there, we'll, it will stick us in a place of servanthood. You know, and it's okay to be a servant, but we'll be stuck there. Because Jesus calls us up to a higher place to be sons and daughters, to be friends, to be friends of God. So even, even with our relationship with God, he calls us higher. He calls us deeper. He calls us to more. So, but to go on, uh, and this is something that happens in every family, brothers often compete with each other. And I'm in lesson three point, I'm, I'm in your other lesson now, if you're looking for your blanks. This is the merging of the two lessons. Brothers often compete with each other. Sibling rivalry is as old as Cain and Abel. Uh, the original brothers in the book of Genesis. We remember those, right? Cain and Abel. And they had some rivalry. Their conflict became excessive, and Cain took the life of his brother in his anger. And it, it, it is much more common to be competitive rather than engaging in a vengeful act leading to murder. And typically, brothers may arm wrestle, race one another, or engage in a sporting contest, each trying to outdo the other. So, contests happen. But... Though brothers may experience the competitiveness of sibling rivalry, when opposed by another outside the family, they tend to stick together as brothers and fight against the, advers the adversary. Brothers can fight with each other every day, but let an outsider start picking on one, and the other will jump to his defense. If one is bullied, picked on, or attacked, the aggressor will soon be met with another contender as a brother comes to the rescue. The writer who, print, who penned Proverbs 18.24 speaks of a, a relationship that exceeds the normal expression of a familial bond between siblings. This expression denotes a relationship beyond the bonds of fraternity. We assume brothers will share a close relationship, so to have a friend closer than a brother would be a very devoted friend. If your brother or your sister, if you remember times where they jumped in when you were in trouble, well, Jesus is a friend who sticks closer than a brother, who sticks closer than even that. Through his completely selfless act to provide salvation and the hope of everlasting life, Jesus demonstrated his intense desire to provide for our needs above his own. He gave sacrificially. He is the ultimate expression of what it means to love to the point of giving his life. His followers were much more intimate than the relationship between a master and servant. No, they, they were friends. They were friends. And we remember when he said, I call you not servants. Again, remember that. I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. Even now, even now, Jesus is manifesting the great I am to us even now through his spirit he's manifesting what it means for God to be with us and I'm so thankful that he's called me friend thank you Jesus Jesus 
demonstrated his love through his devotion to his friends and the sacrifices of his life on the cross of Calvary. God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This was the ultimate test of friendship Jesus spoke of. His intention before the crucifixion, greater love hath no man than this that a man laid down his life for his friends. However, as we discuss, this doesn't have to end with thinking John 15, 13 only means literally dying for another person. Today, we're called to follow Jesus' example of sacrifice and friendship. We're brothers and sisters in Christ with a blessed heritage and a holy call to love one another as family. But we're also called to be friends that stick closer than a brother. Just as Jesus is the friend that stick close, sticketh closer than her brother. He calls each and every one of us to be conformed to his image as friends who stick closer than her brother. And we can't fulfill that call today on our own. We have to have the love of God. But today, in our ears, the Lord calls us to such a love, to such a friendship today. And I want to answer that call. Amen. I want to conclude with a short story. On his way to the feast in Jerusalem, Jesus passed by a man near the pool of Bethesda who had been an invalid for 38 years. The traditional belief was that an angel of the Lord would come by and stir the waters of the pool. Whenever that happened, the first one in the pool would receive healing. A gathering of those who were suffering with various infirmities gave witness to the desperation with which they sought for healing or deliverance. Jesus asked the man at the pool, do you want to get well? The man told his sad tale and concluded that even if the waters were troubled, I have no one to help me into the pool when the water is stirred. He was envisioning the moment of the miraculous, but in despair recognized he could never be the first one in the pool because he had no friends to help him. It is a sad contrast to the story of the paralyzed man with four loyal friends who went to such great lengths to make sure he received his healing while visiting Jesus in Capernaum. This man at the pool of Bethesda had no friends to stay with him. Neither were there any concerned about his welfare nor his opportunity for a miracle. Fortunately for him, the miracle worker had come his way and stopped by the mat where he lay. Before him stood the one who could perform the miracle he desperately desired. No miraculous sign was needed, no stirring water or angel's visit. Jesus just spoke the healing command, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. He was instantly cured. He stood up, picked up his mat, and walked. We never know when we may need the help of others. Cultivate friendship so someone will be present when you most need help. Strive to be the friend who is present when others need help. When we have invested time and given of ourselves in a friendship, we can expect others will be there for us when we need a friend. When we need a friend. Who knows in your life who might need words today that command healing? Who knows what friend in your life today might need help getting to Jesus? But if we will have faith and we will have love, 
There is no stronghold that can keep you or your friend from Jesus. Amen. So if we'll stand. We're going to conclude today with a word of prayer. Lord, we give you thanks today for your word, for your call to friendship, for your call to faith, Lord, for your call to respond. I pray today, Jesus, that even as we have heard your word and even as your spirit has stirred our hearts, Lord, that you will cause us to walk away in this very moment changed, desiring, Lord, to honor your word, desiring, Lord, to not only know you but each other in a deeper and more committed way as friends of your most high name. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here today. Uh, We'll be entering into our Sunday morning worship service at 1030.